0: you're listening to the dad whisperer podcast with dr michelle watson canfield Whether you're a dad who wants to add more tools to your fathering toolbox or a daughter who wants to connect with her dad or even a mom who wants to support your daughter's relationship with her father, you're invited to join the conversation today. Here now is your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield.
1: Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield, and I'm so excited that you're here today, Dad, especially if you want to add more tools to your fathering tool belt. You can also add these tools to your fathering toolbox. You could use whatever metaphor works for you. Well, you know, my passion week after week, month after month, year after year is to equip you as dads to dial in with more precision to your daughter's heart space. And today, I've got a really exciting twist on things because the focus today is going to be on your daughters. It's going to be on women. And yet, dads, you're going to get a front row seat to listening in so that you can provide perhaps more resources more sensitivity, and even share this podcast with your daughters so that more healing can happen in their lives. Well, you know the grid I use every week, which is simply on your mark, get set, go. So dad, picture yourself standing side by side with other dads getting ready to run your fathering race this week. I'm on the sidelines as your coach cheering you on and saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme, get set, going to fill that in with stories and stats and go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Today on the program, I have a guest coach joining me who's been a longtime friend and her name is Kia Stevens. Kia and I, oh my goodness, I think we met back in 2018 when she invited me to join her on her Father Swap podcast. I loved that name then. I love it now, even though she's kind of moved on to other projects. But what that was about, yes, was swapping an earthly father's love or lack of love, but for God, the father's love, such a powerful concept. And what we've discovered then is that we are kindred spirits. So this is a deep woman of thought, of faith, of wisdom, of insight. And today you will discover what it sounds like when a woman has done her work, when she has done the healing work to forgive fathers, not only, you know, her biological father, but I think even just working through issues with men, you will see the way that God has brought restoration into her life. We are going to talk today about her recent book, which I am using to give out to my counseling clients and refer many to her book. It is so well-written and beautifully done. It is called Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. Well, let me tell you just a little bit more about her before we start. Kia is the founder of an organization called Entrusted Women, which she created to equip Christian women of color. She is also a national speaker at She Speaks and the Beloved Women's Conference, just to name a few, as well as being a contributing writer for iBelieve.com, Beloved Women, Proverbs 31 Ministries, and Crosswalk. Kia is also a very proud mom to two sons, and she's been happily married for a couple decades now. Well, I could go on, but suffice it to say, I'm so excited that my friend is joining me here today. Welcome Kia Stevens.
2: Thank you, Michelle. What an amazing intro. I need to take you with me wherever.
0: (laughs) That
1: was so (laughs) great. Well, you know, I truly love you and respect you. Well, today on your mark, the title is Transforming Pain to Purpose How Daughters Can Overcome Their Father Wounds. So, obviously, this is a take on the title of your book. And What I want to do here first, just at the start, is I want to read the endorsement that I wrote for you, for your book, so that this is like what I say, men, behind closed doors about my friend Kia. Too many women live with unhealed hurts from their fathers. Kia Stevens was one of them. In overcoming father wounds, she vulnerably unpacks her story and speaks out of the overflow of her restored heart after facing the pain and rejection and abandonment from her biological father. She doesn't give Pat answers. Instead, She comes alongside as a friend and a mentor, taking us by the hand while modeling what it looks like to go through the process of surrender and forgiveness to move towards freedom and transformation. Thank you, Kia, for your courageous example that invites us to do the same. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, that is, I would say, a, a profound introduction to handing the baton to you as today, as I said earlier, it's going to be a little bit of a switch because I want dads to hear how you have a heart for women born out of your own story and interacting with women for so many years. So how about just starting for here, get set, share some of the backstory that led you to write your book. Sure. I thought that God was
2: calling me to write a book in 1997 I didn't have the language that I do now. I didn't know specifically what it was about, but what I did detect was a emptiness on the inside of me. In fact, the book was entitled The Void back then. Mm. And so I set out to start working on it. And it was really through a process of self-discovery and experiences that I had that led me to the realization, this book that I'm writing is actually about father wounds. And so I can pinpoint different points in my in my journey that gave me that awareness one of them i mentioned in my book was freshman year of college i'm in a dorm room and a friend says i made this bookshelf with my dad And that was essentially like ripping the bandaid off for me. It was the moment where I admitted to myself and to God, I'm not okay. I want what she has. I want a relationship with my father. And up until that point, what I had experienced with my dad was a few court ordered visitations And I had one recollection where he purchased a bike for me. And then outside of that, my dad would buy gifts for me periodically on birthdays and maybe Christmases and leave them on the front porch of my grandparents' home. Mm. And so I I admitted to myself and to God, I want more than that.
1: Of course. Yes. And did you have a stepdad? I did not. So really fatherlessness- Truly describes what you've lived. So tell us a little bit more. So, you didn't see your dad much. Did you say, was he incarcerated
2: or was that never uh, a part of the story? I did not say that. I did not say that. What I do share in my book is that he struggled with alcoholism.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so, when was it then that you did reconnect with your dad? So
2: after that, I had that revelation. I remember connecting with a mentor of mine and I shared the story with her. And then she suggested that I detail the events of my life that my father missed and I invite him into my life that let's start from here and begin a relationship. And so I did that I did everything that she prescribed she too had had a father wound, he had been absent from her life. And this is what she did. So I Figured, well, if it worked for her, it can work for me. And yeah. so I did those things and began to meet with my dad when I would come home from college. I would call him and say, you know, let's go to a restaurant. Let's do this. Can you come for Christmas? Can you come for Thanksgiving? I was doing whatever I could, Michelle, because I so desperately wanted this relationship with my biological father. And so it, A lot of it was centered around me initiating these things. That's what Um, I just
1: heard. I was going to ask you about that.
2: Yeah. uh, You know, initially I didn't have a problem because I felt like I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm going to make this relationship, the one that I want, the one that I've longed for, uh, I'm going to make it happen. Even if I have to be the initiator, if Mm -hmm. I have to do all the calling and I, I was Desperately wanting this relationship. And so it wasn't until my adulthood, 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 like out of college and married, when that really began to take a toll on me. And I started to resent doing that and and resent being the initiator and really want him to initiate. And so it, it took a while for me to wrestle with that, for me to accept who my father was, and also to allow God to open up my eyes to see what he was doing. So there's a great deal of time that it took for for that to transpire in my heart. But that's one of the things that I learned is that, you know, for women, and I I encounter so many different women that are contemplating this decision of, Mm -hmm. should I reach out to my father who has not been in my life? One of the things that I encourage them to make peace with is the reality that you can't change people. And so if your father has been estranged from your life, he is who he is when you Mm -hmm. encounter him. And you have to personally decide prior to reaching out that you're ready to accept him as he is.
1: And I'm sure a lot of women may think they're ready to accept him as he is. But I love how you said, Kia, it began to take a toll on you after a while when you were like, why am I always the one initiating? Did you ever have a conversation with your dad even later looking back saying, dad, what kept you? from like returning the favor, so to speak. So, you know, I, I think of it as like hitting a tennis ball back and forth. Like what kept him from then reaching out your way? Did he ever say? No, he
2: didn't. And I think I, he didn't say, and I didn't ask, actually. I'm not saying that women shouldn't ask. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the type of peace that I experienced is one where God gave me a perspective, on my dad to really see him for who he is and and the tools that he's bringing to the table my father wasn't fathered so in in some regards I knew there were certain things that he didn't do because he didn't know to do yeah but that didn't mean that in his own way he wasn't trying to love me the best he knew how and so that's the type of peace that God gave me. Right. I didn't feel as though I personally needed to have that conversation with my father.
1: And so I never did. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, as you were just talking, I was thinking about my dad, who was raised on the south side of Chicago. He was in gangs from the time he was 12. There were three different last names among the seven kids. Abject poverty. Uh, the last time he ever saw his dad in their house is when his mom put an iron to his drunk dad's face. And so my dad grew up where he his dad would sometimes come in and out, you know, and show up drunk. And it wasn't a pretty sight. It wasn't good. And so when my dad came to fatherhood, I'm the oldest of four girls, he really did not have a clue of how to be a dad. And, you know, through the years, I've gone where did I come? I am so, where did I come from? I'm so emotional. I'm so deep. I'm so, let's talk it out, process it out. You know, sometimes my dad is like, you want to talk more, more than I even have a capacity for. And mm-hmm. I know it's because my dad didn't learn those things. Like you just said with your dad early on, and like you, there's times I get upset and hurt, but at the end of the day, if I can think about my dad's story through his eyes, and realize he's giving me as much as he can with right. what he was raised with. It really does help, doesn't it?
2: I, I definitely think so. And that's why the tagline is "In exchange. It's an exchange because we have to definitely acknowledge that, that wounds exist, that there's disappointment here, or there was rejection here, or there was an aban- abandonment here, or there was just loss. There was some type of loss mm-hmm. associated with our father-daughter relationship. But then what do you do with that? Specifically, what do you do with that when the father may not have the emotional capacity or the intellectual capacity or the, just the capacity period. Right, they, right. I, you know, we. I, I was ta- on another interview and we were talking about how much therapy we have had oh, in this generation yeah. where we're out terms like trigger and trauma and, and post-traumatic stress and, and all of these yes. things. Well, if your father is a product of the sixties, people weren't really doing a whole lot of therapy in Jesus, you know, back then they w- were right. maybe doing Jesus and, and Jesus in, in a certain
1: form, so to speak. And you the know, thought, so- because I was raised then was that Jesus was enough. Jesus was everything. You didn't need therapy. You don't need to tell the world that you're getting it. And it was seen as weakness. Yeah, weakness. Something's wrong with you. You don't have enough faith. And so sadly, yes, those generations who are still alive now, right? Couldn't ask for help, didn't know where to go if they wanted it. And so that's why, again, I so appreciate your book, your vulnerability, and telling your story because you're leading other, I believe, not just women, but dads to be willing to step into the conversation with their daughters to not only admit and acknowledge, but, but hear without defensiveness, how they have missed certain things or milestones or important things. So I want to ask what response did your dad have when you wrote the book? Because I know you got his permission.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yes. So
2: yeah, there have been a couple of times where I timidly went to my dad to say, this is what I've been doing. The first time was with my blog, the, the Father Swap blog, which I've since changed the name to Overcoming Father Wounds. You know, initially just telling him, struggling through that talk, talking about the weather, finally getting to the subject at hand and saying, oh, I have a blog. It's about father wounds. And I remember saying, I needed you. I needed you, but you weren't there. And the that had was, to
1: have been so hard. Oh my gosh. it was. And you do tell some of that story in your book, but yeah, I do, excruciating. I do. I, do. I, I
2: really was like, oh, let's not say we did because it's just uncomfortable. I had spent, I think at that point I had spent maybe three years writing on my blog and never telling my dad about it. Hmm. It, it it was hard, but I remember my dad saying, I know, and I, under, I understand, and talking a little bit about the complexities that were going on in, in between his relationship with my mom and, and our family at that time, you know, and I, I think that's another thing that gives us perspective is that there are so many different complications that take place between our fathers and our mothers right. and mother's family and the father's family and that, that make it even more complex. So he shared some, some of that information with me. It, it provided insight. I don't think it changed. I didn't, it didn't, it didn't change what had taken place. It right. didn't justify or deny or mask or anything like that just gave me more perspective and I think for me with perspective has come wisdom but then most uh recently prior to the book being published the publisher suggested I get an information release form right uh, for my father just in case he wants to sue me <laughs> but for <laughs> the publisher through the publisher I don't believe my dad would do that but anyways I, I fly 800 miles home to Fort Worth Texas where I was raised and go to pick up my father we sit down at a restaurant I pull out my little laptop because I knew my dad probably is not going to read the book or um, you know he's not a public person he doesn't do social media and all the stuff that I do and so I read the portion of my book that pertained to my father and it's, it's really not that much. It's really chapter nine, maybe eight, where I mentioned my dad. Majority of the book is about me. And I said, Dad, are you okay with this portion? And he said, yeah, sure do. Sure do. Mm. And then I read another portion and said, Dad, are you okay with this? And he said, yeah. And let me throw in that in my head, I'm kind of a spontaneous fly by the seat of my pants type of person so in my head I was like oh I'll just go pick my dad up we'll go to a restaurant and I read it but when I'm uh-huh. sitting there it's like mm. what was I thinking this is hard Yes, I'm sharing I'm I'm sharing these pages with my father so anyways I get to the final thing that I wanted to read for him and I read about how my dad missed the first and last day of school every first and last day of school and wasn't there for prom wasn't there for volleyball wasn't there for this wasn't there for that and when I look up my dad has tears streaming down his face and he says I owe you and your mother an apology because alcoholism robbed me of my life wow. and it was such a full circle moment I think Michelle yeah, yeah just hearing the regret and the remorse in his in his voice and in the words that he said to me but then also it was beautiful in the sense that I didn't have any type of anger towards my dad mm-hmm. God had done a tremendous transformative work. transformative work in my heart uh, where what I had to offer was just compassion and acknowledgement that I need God too, that I I have issues. I have things that I struggle with too. Mm -hmm. So I think what that, I hope the hope that that would offer specifically to father since that's who we're talking to is that I believe inherit in the heart of every daughter is a desire to be loved by her dad. Absolutely. It's a desire to have a relationship with her father. And I think there may be some dads that have a tremendous amount of regret and and remorse and you know just shame, that's the word, shame. And I think what God has done in in my story with my father has really shown the power the reconciliatory, I think that's the uh-huh. word. Yes. Uh, power of 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 the cross of Christ, what He's able to do in relationships that were once broken. Our relationship is not perfect, but it is a a portrait, a reflection of what God is able to do in relationships that that have struggled.
1: And what has your dad said to you since the book came out? You talked about meeting with him before getting the signed release. How about on this side of your book launch?
2: On this side, uh, we don't talk about it much, actually. Okay. okay. I showed it to him on the internet. He said, oh, you'll do well. You'll do well. <laughs> That's and then awesome. When my book was, I, when we first released it, we were having a book release party. I reached out to my dad and said, dad, do you want to come? And he was like, yeah, I want to come. And, you know. Help me with the travel arrangements and all these things, uh-huh. and it ended up he wasn't able to come. But I remember feeling insecure after he said, "Yeah, I want to want to come." I was like, you know, I started to have second, I, uh, what is the word? Second, second thoughts. Second, second thoughts. thoughts. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Okay. I started to have those of just like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You're gonna invite your father to a overcoming father wounds book launch and everybody's there to support you and they'll be looking at your dad like right. this, thinking that that all that was going on in my head and I was just like, Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Yes. And I went back to my dad and I said, Dad, well, are you sure you wanna come? Because you know, you know what the book is about, right. and I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. I don't want I don't want anybody to say something to you or I don't want you to feel any type of way. And he said, that's okay. I don't worry about things like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, dad, are you sure? He's like, yeah. So he, what was just pride for me. Yes. He was like, I'm willing to be there.
1: And that had to have gone all the way in. It
2: did, it did. I was like, okay, okay, wow. There's still a part of me that's very protective of my father because of the relationship that God has cultivated over the years. Uh, But, uh, and he he ended up not being able to come, but the fact that he was willing to come meant a lot to me.
1: You know, I even have another question coming to my mind that I hadn't really anticipated till I'm hearing you. But if the you now could tell the you 15 years ago what you now know that you wish you would have known then about your dad and about father wounds, what would you say to her?
2: Well, what a great question. I would probably tell the you then that you haven't given the situation enough time Mm -hmm. and that time has a way of working things out. I would also tell the you then that my time now would be your time then, or my time, if I if I was saying your time now, uh, <laughs> your time yes. now would be better spent getting to know God as a heavenly father, mm. that that will make all the difference for you in your thirties, in your forties, and, and yeah. then on. Because the peace that you get from that relationship yes. enable you to weather anything in the relationship with your biological father.
1: Oh. And so
2: that would serve you better than yes. crying, complaining, whining, shaking your fist at God, being frustrated. If you you need
1: to read your Bible wow. and,
2: and get on your knees. That's what I would tell the
1: younger kia. That is awesome, because I I love even when you're saying read your Bible, get on your knees, you're not just talking about actions, you're talking about a real relationship with a real father, right, who helps fill in the spaces, I can tell from your story, right, where you had dad absence, dad voids, dad wounds. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how God as a father has come into your story and brought healing. We'll be right back. Are you a dad who has ever desired a deeper connection with your daughter, but haven't known how to go about it? Let's Talk
2: Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters is the very resource you need.
1: Dr. Michelle wrote it with you dads in mind. This book will support you with scripted questions, equip you to decode your daughter, and inspire you with stories of other dads and daughters. Don't wait any longer to be the hero you wanna be and that your daughter needs you to be. So to let the talking begin, head on over to drmichellewatson.com forward slash books and order your copy today. This book will become a favorite in your fathering toolbox and will give you the answers you've been looking for. That's drmichellewatson.com forward slash books. Now, back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. Welcome back. I'm here today with my friend Kia Stevens, author of Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. Oh my goodness, Kia, I I have so many questions to ask you that I could keep you here for two hours. So I want to read a quote that you have in your book as we continue kind of really now the side of the conversation about how you exchanged your father wounds for God's perfect love, because I think that can sometimes sound cliche, right? Like, Oh, God's your father. And I have an honorary daughter. I scooped up probably about 15 years ago, who also only child, no parents, they both died, no grandparents. And so I came to be kind of a surrogate mom to her. And she too said, God has become my Abba father, dad, my daddy, you know, and she just like you was living proof that this isn't just a pat answer. But I know that even daughters listening will say, I don't know how you get it in. How do you get the love of God as a father into the heart of the place where you struggle, the place where you can be stuck? And here's a a quote that you write. God has chosen to reveal himself to all believers as a loving father in his word. Despite this truth, many people believe God is unable to be a real father in the lives of those who were not fathered by their biological father. Say more about that and your process to get there.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, and so phrases like God is a father to the fatherless were not uncommon for me. Those were not new phrases, but I did wrestle in my adulthood uh, with exactly how that was supposed to happen. When I began to think about the practicality of that, it just did not make sense for me. I was trying to understand, well, if, if you can't see God and you can't hear God and, and you can't touch God, exactly what does that look like? And I was really trying to force fit God into the box that I had for a human father and say, this is how it must be manifested. It it should be manifested in the way that I conceive it, in the way that I understand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I began to realize is that it's a relationship that we understand by faith. And, and for my logics out there and my skeptics out there, you know, I'm sorry. It, that's just the reality that it's a, it's a by, it's a by faith understanding, but there are some bridges that can help us get there. One bridge is to study the life of Jesus, specifically for women, study the life, the way Jesus engaged with women. Mm. This is, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so he is giving us a a reflection of how the father engages with humanity in the way we see him engaging with women and men, specifically in, in the gospels. And then that was helpful for me looking at the woman with the issue of blood the woman who was caught in adultery the the woman who anointed his feet with her with her hair and with with her oil that she she had you know those those instances are showing us that that God the Father elevates the existence of women he's yeah. compassionate to women he loves them he engaged with the woman with the issue of blood he calls her he called her daughter yeah you know what an intimate term for this woman that had been ostracized and so that was helpful for me also just looking at the attributes of God God is tender he's accessible he's righteous he's compassionate he's loving over the scriptures. And so I'm kind of going through it rapidly, Michelle, but it took me years. Yes. It took me years. And this process is still ongoing. When you grow up questioning your worth, your value, or whether you're wanted, whether you're chosen a default that you can sink back into if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Yeah. You know, is that Oh, I don't know if I'm loved or oh, I don't know if I'm I'm chosen. So it's not that it was a one and done. It's that we have to continually remind ourselves of these truths found in the word of God to reaffirm what he says about us. Right. And right. That,
0: exists,
2: that exists apart from a relationship with a biological father. If I didn't have my relationship with my heavenly father, I would not be able to have a relationship with my, let me say a healthy relationship, because yes. I would probably still be in the place where I'm constantly coming to him with these expectations, with these unmet needs that I'm saying, meet these needs, meet these needs. I need you to say this. I need you to do this. And, and if he doesn't have the yeah. tools, it's only going to breed frustration and disappointment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I love that you're, you're talking about it being a process. And I think that's really important for those listening to hear is that sometimes when you hear someone's story and they spend, as you said, years working it through me too. I was in counseling for eight years. I've got so much trauma and abuse. It would turn your hair green to hear it all. And just like you though, I remember literally Jesus that I'd learned in Bible college was in my head, but he got down into my heart when I had to work it out. And there were times I could picture myself like beating God, the father's chest. And years later, I loved that book. Heaven is for real for kids, where there was a picture book that this little I forget what that little kid's name, oh, Colton Burpo, drew that, you know, they drew out these pictures. And when he was three years old, that's when he said he went to heaven. Whether or not people think it's true, I happen to believe it is. And here's this little kid, and he said, My favorite place in all of heaven is near God's throne. And there's this little kid and this big God the Father throne with a lap. And I've brought that picture when I've spoken on these kinds of issues to conferences for women to say, that's the lap of the father. And if a three-year-old is safe, this is a safe place to be because you can't trick a three-year-old into being okay if they're scared. And and I think you and I are, are I, I'm picturing us right now, Kia, just wrapping our arms around not only daughters, but dads who didn't get the dad they needed and wanted. We're sorry for your pain. We hurt with you. We both have our own wounds that have been healed by the Trinity, and we're saying, God as a father can step in and reparent you, re-father you, and teach you dads how to be the father you never had. And in some ways, if you had a really bad example of a dad, you come more hungry and ready and open because to receive from God as a father, but it's going to be really good and really pure because he'll teach you how to be a dad. Any other practical suggestions? I know we could keep talking. We've got to wrap up here soon. You got your next interview, but any other practical ways that you would encourage women and men, but we're talking to daughters too here. How can they face and heal from their father wounds? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness,
2: Michelle. That's so good. When you were describing that imagery of taking that book and allowing women to see themselves at the Foot of Jesus or resting on the lap of Jesus that is so funny because I have done that so many times when I have faced hard times yeah I have visualized myself in the arms of of, of the father I don't know how I even started doing that but see I have too it must be whole when spirit I, started, I don't even know where it came from I don't remember anybody saying to do that or telling me to do that. But I knew that doing that gave me a yeah. feeling of safety. In which Psalm is it that says, um, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high Psalm 91. Shall, rest, shall rest in the shadow of the almighty or yes. something like yes. that. I mean, I just, uh-huh. just visualize myself yes. resting there. So anyways, I think that that's a, a strategy, a tip and a tool, you know, to visualization, I yes. believe. But let me rattle these off very quickly. The the first two things that I often say, and then I'm going to give you some really practical things, tips that I offer in my book. I often say acknowledgement is is the really first step. Uh, For so many women, there's fear surrounding acknowledgement. There is, well, fear. There's fear yeah. because you don't want to mar the reputation of the father. You don't want to. So in some cases, if there's sexual abuse involved, sometimes you've been threatened. Right. If, you, if you if you say anything. And so I think the first step towards healing is an acknowledgement yes. that I'm not okay. And this is what happened to me. And then the second step is, is to invite the Holy Spirit into your healing journey. He is a wonderful counselor. He is enough. In my own life, I've seen God really take the wheel in terms of guiding my healing journey, introducing me to counselors or introducing me to programs or introducing me to a podcast or a book Uh or or whatever it is that had the next thing that I needed in terms of my own personal Mm -hmm. journey. Uh, In terms of some practical resources that I offer, the forgiveness letter template in my book is one that I have used for, for myself. I've used it for God. I've used it for my father. I've used it for other family members. I highly recommend it because sometimes mm. we need a tool to help us process exactly. our pain. And I coupled that with the empty chair, and that empty chair just gives you an opportunity to visualize the person in the chair and and say everything you would want to say to them by reading the forgiveness letter. So, good. in addition to that, I recommend praying, praying specifically for the person that wounded you, because it's difficult to remain bitter and angry while you're praying for someone else. And so I have seen God transform my heart, take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh Yes, through the power of prayer. And
1: so those are just a
2: couple of tools. Yes.
1: I love that. You know, again, we could go on and on, but I want to encourage dads buy this book for your daughters. Daughters, buy this book for your dads. If you don't know what to say to him or dad, you don't know what to say to her. You can read someone else's story together. You could do the work together and, and that will help bridge the gap where you feel like you don't know what to say. How does that sound?
2: I think that that sounds good. I think also I often say every every woman knows another woman with father wounds. I, I would venture mm-hmm. to say There are men that know women, they work with women, their wives. I've had husbands tell me they don't have father wounds, but their wives have father wounds or their sister has father wounds or their neighbor. I've had people tell me they know somebody. And so I highly encourage if you, if you know someone that has a father wound, I highly encourage you to
1: uh, pay it forward. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you've given so many practical action steps, go steps right here at the end, but I'm going to ask you one final question. If you were, let's say to give daughters listening today, one go step, you've given lots of them, but you give them one final way that they could take one step into processing their father wounds. What would you say to do today? I, I
2: mentioned prayer, but I'm going to go back there again, because I believe in the power of prayer. Yep. I would say for some women, they make, I knew women when they saw the cover of this book that they would, some people would say, oh, I need that book. Then I knew some women would say, I need that book, but mm -mm, I don't want to deal with my father wounds. And then I knew some women would say, I don't need that book at all. I'm fine. But they would really need the book. And so for women that are listening, that you're kind of iffy and uncertain I would say, ask God, ask God, God, Hmm. is there anything to what this girl I heard saying, talking about on, on this podcast, is there anything to what she's saying? Is there a possibility that I have been wounded by my father and I've been masking or faking or denying or dismissing or condoning or excusing what happened to me when I was five, when I was 17, when I was 29, when I was 36? Yeah. Is there anything, any truth to that? And then if so, God, would you show me what my next step should be?
1: Beautiful. Do, is,
2: is it possible, God, that you want me to know another realm of abundant life that at this juncture in my life, I have not experienced. I, I have not experienced it. Is it, is it possible that I'm shutting myself off because I won't deal with right. whatever it is?
1: Yeah would you help me? Oh, I love that. It's open, real, authentic, honest. And we know, both of you know, both of us know God will respond. The Holy spirit will lead you because in Romans eight, it says he's shouting "Abba, father, which is saying, you've got a dad, take your pain to your dad. Holy spirit is, is nudging us in that direction. Last question. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Uh, people can find me at
2: stevens.com. on my socials, the book,
1: uh, any recent writing or interviews, you can find it there. And again, the title of her book, overcoming father wounds, exchanging your pain for God's perfect love. Well, Kia Stevens, it's been such a joy to have you here today on your mark has been transforming pain. To purpose how daughters can overcome their father wounds. You've heard lots of practical action steps through get set. Choose one of those today to put into action for your go step. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the dad whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest dads in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go dads.
0: Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. If you're looking for more resources to support the father-daughter relationship, or if you want to connect personally with Dr. Michelle, you can find all the information you need at drmichellewatson.com. That's drmichellewatson.com. And remember, you can listen to the Dad Whisperer Podcast anytime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the next edition of the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield.